Blog Talk Radio. Now tuned in to the mother uh, greatest. Hey, hey, it is Friday. Hey, see? <laughs> hey, Alicia girl, how you doing? Thank God it's Friday is right. It's been a long week, girl. Yes, yes. We want to welcome you guys to Let's Chat. We got an awesome, awesome show on tap for you today. We got author and publisher J.M. Benjamin, author and publisher Seth Ferranti, author and publisher Aaron Bebo, and prison reform activist Joanna Flavor. So it's going to be an exciting show. We're talking about politics, mass incarceration, the afterlife. I don't even say, know why I said the afterlife because that's so dingy, but I, I wanted really to reflect that there's a life after. And each guest that we have, they reflect that there's possible there is um a possibility for you to have a life and to turn it around and do things totally differently. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that they're all coming on and we're gonna talk that talk today on let's chat. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this show ever since I saw it on the calendar leash. That's a powerful lineup that we have coming into the chat room. And I hope our listeners got their pens and paper together because, you know, they these are the type of people that drop jewels. And you don't even realize the jewels that they drop can be used in your everyday life. You know, so Absolutely. sit back, get ready, buckle up. I'm getting my paper situated right now as I speak. Because you know how I love to take a note, Leash. I love taking a note, girl. <laughs> I know you do, T. But I'm I'm excited. You know, Seth, he's been on our show many, many times. Um, I reached out to his wife before he came home. Um, and he, I don't know if he's still there, but I know he was in Ireland, which is, you know, can you imagine being in jail for uh 
20 some odd years and then just a few years after you're now in Ireland. You know, you're you're being mm-hmm. able to experience it and be part of life. He has so much going on. He has the um White Boy uh Rick documentary that's going. He has comic books. Uh he's turned his street novels into comic books, which is an awesome idea. So I'm excited mm-hmm. uh to hear about the things that he's cooking up, projects he has going. You know, if you don't know who he is, uh, he is the publisher um, of Gorilla's Convict, which is a uh, it's a website. If you haven't checked it out, it's always on there. Um, it makes stories, it, it makes articles, it makes books. I mean, he really, 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 his story is phenomenal. And I'm glad that he's able to come and just share and just kind of talk this talk here on today. When she hit me up, uh, when Joanna hit me up, I was like, okay, well, we could just have you on the show. And I'm thinking, well, what's me and Miss Tony going to talk about that? I said, well, I'm going to have to get some people on there that can talk and talk with her um, so uh-huh. that it becomes a, an effective and constructive conversation. So I reached right. out to those three, and they were, you know, and I appreciate the connections that we have because any time I hit up either of them, they're always like, sure, what time you want me on? So it's always it's really a blessing to be able to have those type of connections. It really is, Leash. And, uh, you know, we always enjoy when J.M. come on because he just comes in and just does what J.M. do. <laughs> and we love him for it. And it's fine, Mr. Aaron Bebo, the director with the pen, you know, we have history with him, beautiful history as in our infancy days on Blog Talk. So it is always a joy and a jewel and a pleasure when he can make time for us to come here on the chat room. And like you said, it's great to be able to just call and ask them to just stop by, and they have no problem with it. They just oblige. So we truly, truly appreciate everyone that contributes to making Let's Chat what it is today, these years later. Absolutely. And if you guys have not checked out Gorilla Convict, it's gorillaconvict.com. It, it has a plethora of, of different items on there from street lit and true crime stories, prison gangs, street gangs, mafia. I mean, it talks everything, but he put it in such a, a package where it's just, and I know that, you know, his wife, Diane, who is awesome. She's like wife one-on-one. She is so awesome. She really, really, they put this together really well. So if you guys get a chance, make sure you all check out Gorilla's Conflict. He's also done articles on um, The Fix, Vice, um, I believe Huffington Post, The Grind. So make sure you check him out. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, our other guests, they have some material out that you can check out. I know Bebo just recently released um, one that he was on our show with about a month or so ago, and he talked about it in mm-hmm. Lent with a co- collaboration. And J.M. Benjamin, make sure you follow him because he has some awesome works available as well. So I'm so excited for tonight. You know, it's, it's kind of like a reunion leash. Uh, once they get into the chat room, we have no idea what's going to come out of these doors. I'm ready. And uh, just, just, just to see where um, our community is because we have so much awesome talent behind the wall and and it's a joy to to know that it's getting out to the to the masses to the readers 
but it's not easy. So we're going to sit back and let the, the experts do what they do and explain how it all comes to, to fruition. And because um, I know some of my favorite authors are behind the wall. And if it's a, if it's a chore, if it's a really a, a, a instrument to get their work out, I like to know what it is and to try to support it as much as as much as we can. Absolutely, and you mentioned Jay and Benjamin has projects. He's actually um, into filming. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. follow him, but I believe it's um, a time for finesse. But mm-hmm. he has so many different things that he. It's a new indie short film, um, but he tries to put a little bit like he. I love his page because he always. He's the only author I know that reads to his readers on his page. So he always tries mm-hmm. to interact and, and have his, his readers fully interacting. But he has um behind the scenes trailers for his um the new indie screenplay that he's writing. And so I'm excited to to hear about that venture because you have to I think that it's all part of the craft and you still have to be able to know each element. And it's always pushing yourself and pushing your pen forward. It's always about forward moving, making sure that you are taking your books and being able to to put them in different type of hands. And so it's awesome. It's an awesome thing that he has going on with his filming. Seth has filming. Um, people, he has his uh, web series that he he has coming out. So I'm excited. This is going to be an exciting show. Mm-hmm. You know, Lisa, you mentioned uh, the activity on JM's page. I'm always fascinated by how the different and the various um, authors, and <clears throat> excuse me, not just in writing, <clears throat> excuse me, but in whatever it is they're passionate about, how they interact with the people that follow them. And um, it's it's a wonderful thing to see the versatility that they have, and like you say, JM he reads to his his readers on his page. Um, just just get to know and follow some of your favorite um, people that have passion for whatever it is that you're involved in, that that you're passionate about, and just interact with them because it just brings you closer and it just makes you understand where their passion comes from. And um, that passion is also exhibited here in the chat room, which Lisa and I try to, to give our listeners on a weekly basis. So that there's mm-hmm. another avenue to get to know their passion. So always follow what it is that you love and support. Support mm-hmm. is so important in any and everything. Absolutely. So we appreciate you guys for supporting Lisa and I here on this chat tremendously so thank you yes we really do and we appreciate each of these authors because they all bring something unique to the industry to the craft and they don't mind sharing like Bebo I always tell him he should be a teacher I know he hates me to say that because he'd be like I ain't trying to teach nobody but he is uh, his teeth he's always teaching even when he cutting up he is teaching you know what I'm saying it's always teaching somebody something. He might be teaching right. you how to, you know, get somebody the business, you know. He might be, you know, cutting into folks a little bit, but it's always, you know, he's always has that, that he has 
that teachable spirit, like where he is always willing to teach people. If you want to learn, if you want to try and do something, if you want to know something, or if he feel like it's something you need to know. Right. <laughs> That's so true, Leash. You know, I, as far as I do, teaching. I see him as a teacher or a professor. <laughs> professor Bebo. That's how I see The him. director with the pen. <laughs> but not only that, Leash, you know. professor with the pen. Exactly. He's moving up in the world. But, you know, Leash and I, we started out in our blog talk journey with Bebo, and he taught us so much. And he is always at the back mm-hmm. of my mind on how I approach what it is that we do on a weekly basis because those are, are valuable lessons, and those are lessons that I internalize, and I try to make them my own and just build on that foundation that he gave us, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I try to move in this industry and in this, in this blog talk life the way he and Nene Capri taught us. And if you you haven't heard anything with the four of us, we were a dynamic quad, <laughs> Alicia, Bebo, Nene, mm-hmm. and myself. So check out those Real World Radio archives because those archives are so rich in a, and they're diversified. And across the board, that was a dynamic show. Those archives live on forever. And um, I love when Alicia and Bebo cut up. <laughs> Those were some times, and they're classic. They're classic Leash and Bebo, but just just go back and check those out because Nene and Bebo are are, are part of the reason that we have sustained Blog Talk Life, Leash and I, and we're just trying to make it our brand, and we appreciate everyone that's helping to make this our brand of Let's Chat. So sit back, kick your feet up, and get ready to enjoy an awesome show. Absolutely. We should have Miss Flava in here shortly. We're going to take a brief break, but we will be back shortly. We're going to play a little bit of this Bebo because we talk so much about Erin. People will be like, oh, my God, she said one more thing about Erin, but we just love Erin on here. So we're going to hit y'all with his little his single because we want to okay. I want the keys to Bolivia, she turning me on One line at a time, once more she gone Like flash jars, use the whole whiff when it's strong Roll up one whiff and I'm gone I want the keys to Bolivia, she turning me on One line at a time, once more she gone Like flash jars, use the whole whiff when it's strong Roll up one whiff and I'm gone Shorty like my body, set my name first Gonna make up, go in the same purse We out here on the grind she got the same thirst, I got her mind, body, and soul, three-round burst. My soldier in heels, the breast behind the ski mask, Netflix and chill. As I roll out the weed bag, she show how she feel. You know a nigga see that, she want my attention, and she know it's time to be back. I'm always down the block, put on Mary J. Blige. Hump like handles till she see a mirage. When it's deep, my rib can feel a squeeze from her thighs. I could tell that she mine by the look in her eyes. If we get caught in the act, we'll be sentenced to life. So when it's time to throw down, we don't ever think. Twice taking shots at the missus, but this is my wife. So all them shots be misses, bitch. Get you a life. I want the keys to Bolivia. She turning me on one line at a time. Once more, she gone like flash. Y'all use the whole 
gone. I want the keys to Bolivia, she turning me on One line at a time, once more she gone Like glass jars, use the whole fifth when it's strong Roll up one whiff and I'm gone Yeah, how you doing love? What's your name, number and sign? You so divine, let me look at you from behind Yeah, your body banging, coke bottle, some type of model Digging how when you move through the crowd, the eyes follow Got my attention you got my head spinning, the kind of feeling that got you tripping so revealing. Mind state of a hustler, your style so appealing. I'm looking for a trip to Bolivia if you willing. The boy taking Szechuan State and take a break from the day to day. We can get away on a holiday. Vibing, coasting, bragging, boasting. Chopping it up back to back, blunts in motion. Hugging the ocean, shopping, copping, designer. Baby, tell me how that sound. I want the finer things in life. A1 weed, papers and pipes. And we can get it right. I want the keys to Bolivia, she turning me on One line at a time, one snore, she gone Like glass jars, use the whole fifth when it's strong Roll up one whiff and I'm gone I want the keys to Bolivia, she turning me on One line at a time, one snore, she gone Like glass jars, use the whole fifth when it's strong Roll up one whiff and I'm gone Now I'm going hard. 
put this information out. I'm just coming back from an awesome big event in Atlanta, Georgia, that it seems as though people are ready to um, take control of of um, our lives and, and the fact that we are the boss in the United States of America, KKK. And it's so simple. It's the we party, not the tea party. They keep talking about the national rights association and all this foolishness. I don't even know what the heck the NRA really is about other than, you know, just guns. But at, at any rate, we are the boss. And I'm glad to have this opportunity to explain just what that means. Mm-hmm. That's okay. awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we also have Seth in the building. Welcome, 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 Seth. How are you? How was Ireland? Well, Ireland was nice. How are y'all doing, Lisa and Miss Tony? Nice to uh, be on the show again. Hey, Seth, welcome yes, again. Yes, you got to tell us because you got so much going on over there. Tell us you got the white boy, Rick. Tell us what you got going on because you're doing a lot of cooking in your uh, creative kitchen over there. Well, the biggest thing is uh, the white boy, white boy documentary. We premiered to a, um, at the Detroit Institute of Arts um, last month on March 31st. We filled uh, 1,000 mm-hmm. seats, you know, for the premiere. And then they filled uh, two shows out in the suburbs, too sold out 350 and we got the uh audience choice award and um actually my my partner you know his agents are are trying to you know place that right now so it should be you know released you know officially you know to the world coming up i'd say sometime this summer but you know we'll be releasing a announcement on that it's the biggest thing i got going on you know I'm, i'm always doing stuff you know i got i got comics and you know, different books and stuff like that, but I'm really uh, kind of making my entrance into the film world now, and I got I got a lot of other stuff that I'm I'm working on that should be popping off in the next year or two. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We are so proud of you here on this chat. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I was from doing my did. I mean, I was I was. Miss Tony was sending me the emails all the time and sending me little newsletters and just, you know, inspiration and, and, and different stuff, you know, and letting me know while I was in, you know, that people cared about what I was writing about and, and cared about what I was doing. And I just tried to make the jump. Now I'm going on, you know, a little bit over two years out. And, you know, I, I had all these ambitions and, and dreams and, and drive and stuff while I was in there. Now I'm just trying you know, to make it a reality. I mean, I, I will admit out here, I mean, it's it's rough out here, man. There's a lot of people trying to do a lot of stuff and, you know, to kind of separate yourself from everybody else. I mean, it, it's hard, but, you know, I've been I've been striving and I always tell people my best attribute is, is my drive and determination because I think for, for talent levels, I mean, you got some people that are prodigies and stuff like that, but really – it's it's hard work, man, that separates people, you know, because there's a lot of talented people in the world, and there's a lot of that have the ability and potential to do a lot of things. But, you know, the people that separate themselves and are really successful are the people, you know, that work extremely hard and, and, and keep at it. So, you know, I, I try to, you know, go after that model and just, you know, keep my uh, pedal to the metal and, um, you know, keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So this, is, this is Tony. Yes, and just so we all know who's on the line, because you guys are all doing some of the most amazing um, jobs, and it's in similar 
category, we have Aaron Debo, uh, Seth, and we also have uh, the beautiful activist Joanna Flavor. So just so we all are on the same page, and J.M. Benjamin should be joining us shortly. So you guys are all doing wonderful work. But I want to know the inspiration behind your passion for what it is that you do, and I want to start off with Bebo. Um, Bebo, can you just give us a little bit of your your inspiration and what's, why this is so passionate to you? Um, as far as literature, like I just I just had a just a love for words, you know, just mm-hmm. just reading, growing up reading, and um, you know, it just it just started growing. First, it was I, I just realized I, I like to read, and then. I started understanding different styles and different authors and, you know, different presentation, word presentation. And, you know, just through that, I realized, too, that it just helped me along in, in life, you know, that the things I was reading that helped me articulate better, you know, allowed me, you know, opened up doors for me, you know. So it just became a passion to always, you know, want to work with word or want to be involved with working mm-hmm. with word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just as, as I developed as a writer, my my passion just grew more and more. It just got deeper, really. And and I would just want other people to, you know, I want other people to read. You know, I want other people that um can't read to not shy away from it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want people to, you know, use literacy to to open up doors for themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So and a that, lot of doors that, are getting That's open. my job and passion. Yeah. That's awesome. Joanna. Well, thank you. And hi, Aaron. How are you, Mr. Bebo? How you doing? How you doing? How are you? And I thank WeChat for this opportunity to connect with you because I was sweating them for the opportunity. So I thank you, ladies. <laughs> Um, <laughs> thank you. I I I really was um trying to get in contact with you, and thank you to your um listening audience because I have a literacy, a financial literacy campaign, an actual literacy campaign. I work within the state of the Department of Corrections in the state of Florida, and um you know you have a lot of fans, of course, more fans than um I will ever know, but. At any rate, I was wondering if I could um, possibly link up with you on the business tip. If you have a, um, a a business number, I really appreciate that. But let me get into why I am so passionate. Okay. Um, one, it's called DOD, God over double, basically. Anybody in this society who now wants to claim that we're United States of America, KKK, uh, you know, they say we're a nation of God, but we're truly not. So when those of us come to the point in our lives, which I call our Moses phase, which a lot of us experience but don't know how to identify with, because Moses was raised by strangers in the palace of Egypt, and then he found himself at a point in his life leading the Israelites out of Egypt. So when people talk about leading people out of bondage or, as I like the corner phrase, winning the war on poverty, achieving the dream, it's actually achievable in our lifetime. But a lot of people want to be poverty pimps or political pimps or just want to profit off of misery. So in this time right now, since 9-11 killed the dope game and it's a new day, people need to understand one or a couple of things. God is not going to grow a money tree 
and there's only two ways to make money in America, KKK, legal and illegal, and you must choose one. So my mission is to expose, reveal, and empower citizens to understand that it is their right as a taxpayer not to be discriminated against. It's called FED, Federal Employment Discrimination. Some people like to use funny terms like formerly incarcerated citizens. They like to run games like ban the box, and they like to do all kind of little bouffale out here. See, I can say bouffale. I can't say the other words, but I'm going to say bouffale. So this is what the mission is. It's time to end this crap in America, KKK. And we can do this with the million felon mark. People need to understand they're the boss, and felons need to understand basically that as a taxpayer, no taxation without representation. So if you can't get a job and if you can't get housing, you shouldn't have to pay taxes. One, you should be claimed on taxes, and we must repeal 1020 life, three strikes you out, and mandatory minimum sentencing. That's my motivation. Oh, wow. Word up. I'm 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 with you. You you talking you you speaking some real things right now. I like that. I like where your where your head is at as far as um you know what you're speaking about in terms of felons and, and rights mm-hmm. and different things like that. I'm definitely on beat to that. And I'm in Florida too, by the Word? way. So I'm gonna make sure yeah, I'm gonna make sure you get my info. Thank you. I'm from Philly. Okay. Awesome. Are you in Florida, though, right? I live in Tampa. I just came back from Atlanta. It was very powerful. I just came back from a global economic forum. You know, it's just ironic that people want to talk about second chances, and I got an opportunity. You know, I asked God to open the door, and he opened the floodgates. It's time in America, KKK. The foolishness is over. We are not dreaming anymore. There's no need to dream anymore. They had a dream back in the day. Back in the day, 20th century, they was dreaming. Now it's time to achieve the dream. And it's so possible. But if they want to keep running game and kicking it like people just don't understand, and I get it because the crack era had everybody caught up. But now that 9-11 killed the dope game, it's time for people to understand. Here is what the real reality is. So I appreciate this time to, you know, enlighten, empower, and get empowered myself. Absolutely. And Seth? Mm-hmm. You know, coming coming a from an insider, coming from an insider perspective, and, and doing over two decades, you know, due to the war on drugs, you know, I I really know I see this all, you know, from from the inside, and it's just, I mean, a, a lot of things, man. It's, it's a lot of like subterfuge and you know different stuff that they do in the media. And even even like with with big pharma and and the medical marijuana and how they're at odds. I mean, because at the end of the day in this country, you know, it's it's about making money. They don't care about rights. You know, they don't care about how much time mm-hmm. they put you in jail. And even you know, I, I was a first time nonviolent offender. You know, I had an LSD case and I got 25 years. So you know, it just kind of shows you, you know, you can learn it. And, and just like what your show show is called politics. You know, it's like that's is what this gorilla convict. Is this Gorilla Convict? Gorilla, yeah. This is Gorilla Convict. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Seth. How are you? What's up? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm fine. Even, you. Even what I'm trying to do, like, with this, this White Boy documentary, you know, White Boy Ricky, I mean, he has this real big street legend, you know, and he has his detractors and he has his supporters, and people want to say he's this and he's that, you know, but, I mean, they recruited this guy as, when he was 14 years old. You know, the FBI recruited him and made him into a drug dealer. 
you know, and, and you know, I kind of, when I was in prison and stuff, you know, I, I was all, you know, big on, you know, the snitches and this and that. But when, when our government, when these law enforcement agencies are going and actively recruiting kids, you know, because, I mean, think about it. Even, even you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old, that's still a kid. You know, I'm a 46-year-old man now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was 18, you know, I thought I was a grown man. But now looking back, you know, you, you're still a young kid. Your mind's not fully developed. You know, you don't know, really know what's going that's on. Right. And they sell all this different stuff to you. And then, you know, they, they put you in this game. You know, and, and that's what we're really trying to do with this documentary. We're trying to expose the dirty secrets of the drug war. I mean, a lot of people, especially people in the African-American community, I mean, know, they know this because they've been subjugated to all these crack laws and everything since the jump. But, you know, a lot of mainstream society, you know, they might hear this or hear that, but they're still not hip to everything that went on. And so now in, in the white boy documentary, we have ex-FBI agents you know, coming back, you know, and saying, you know, this is what we did, you know what I'm saying? And and they regret it now, you know, at the time they did what they did, but, you know, at least they're coming out now and they're speaking. I mean, we have lawyers, we have all types of people, and we have street dudes. We have Nate Boonecraft and Johnny Curry, you know, Eastside Detroit drug lord in the documentary. So I think this white boy documentary that we put together to support white boy Rick and try to get him out, we got all these different diverse elements, and even, you know, we got Herm Groman, who was the FBI agent, who put Johnny Curry in jail. And we got them in the same documentary, and we got them in the same room, you know, talking, and they're both like, you know, they need to let white boy Rick out. But it's just, it's just a small thing. It's like it's one story, and it's, it's, it's a, a microcosm of everything that's happening, and that's what we're trying to show, that if we can just show this story and get people to sympathize with white boy Rick, you know, maybe they can catch the bigger picture and maybe, like Flavor's talking about, maybe we can get some change in society. Oh, we can. Oh, it's not. Absolutely. Thanks, but it's not, it's, not, it's not we can get change. Is we're the boss. That's the point. See, as taxpayers and vote, as taxpayers, we are the boss. Uh, politicians are just employees. See, felons, they, they don't understand that. A congressman, a representative, a senator, a governor, the president, they're an employee. So the homosexuals proved it. If a homo can get a right, then fellas, we're going to get our rights. It's not a game. They went and said, we're the boss. They proved it. Look, politicians, they're going to be shaking in their boots because felons may not have the power but our family members and friends. Bottom line, no, we don't want no government contracts written. No corporate America can have a, should have a contract with government prisons if they don't employ felons or formerly incarcerated. This is about financial and public safety, bottom line. That's all people are concerned about. So that's what the cue is. Absolutely. We got Jay and Benjamin on the line. Welcome to Let's Chat. How are you? Hey, hey, what's going on? Hey, Jay and welcome to the show. We are good. Yes, we want Thanks. you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and the passion behind why the things that you do uh, and the movement that you have. Well, basically, I'm, I'm an author of, of several several novels, urban fiction, nonfiction, motivational, to a few anthologies. Um, but I also served over 12 and a half years in prison coming up on celebrating 11 years of being out and not returning unless 
They paid me to come back and speak about how writing, literary, and literacy was my outlet for contributing factors. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to that, since being home, since coming home in 2006, I've been very instrumental and active in, you know, the, the fight against gang and street violence in my city and cities worldwide. I've been working with and partnering up with very different nonprofits and uh, prosecutors over the juvenile, you know, facilities and, uh, and adult facilities as well, in addition to just, you know, just clergy and just community leaders in general. So um, just trying to, one, you know, offer a contribution through sharing my journey, my redemptive journey of overcoming incarceration in addition to just, um, again, being an activist in my community and communities worldwide, um, and literally being the door opener and the platform for me to have a voice. So through books and now through films, just trying you know, show our young people and ex-offenders that, one, um, there is life after incarceration, and two, mm-hmm. that you um, you can come from something negative, turn out to be something positive. So, I mean, if I had to give a quick summary of of the backdrop of me, that would be it right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, and I'm glad to have you guys all on because you guys all show and reflect the, that it is possible for you to be incarcerated for however long and get out and still have that second life, that second chance to make things happen and make things different. But it is a hard road. Can um, what What is it that can be done as far as, because when you look at prison reform, it's really to reform the um, conditions inside the prison, but it's never talking about out making sure that person can function outside, making sure that they can live outside. What are some of the things that can be done or you think should be done to allow people to be able to be punished when they commit a crime but still be able to come out and turn their life around and do things differently? Can I lead on that? Oh, go ahead. I appreciate that. I won't take too much time. Um, Initially, I want to say that I'm looking to try to do business with any of you established gentlemen. Why? Because I do, uh, and I'm not bragging, this humble arrogance, have the prisons on lockdown here in Florida, and we can lead out across the nation. Each of your businesses can be instrumental in helping to generate monies to for the Felon Freedom Fund as a part of your sales for your businesses to donate towards establishing to end this felon discrimination. That's what I see as bottom line. It's called time served. We don't need to be trying to identify. We've done this crime the time for our crime, whether you're on probation, whether it's monetary or all of the, the above, whether it's incarceration, you've done the time for your crime. After 9-11, this is what's poisoned our society. It's a, it's a hypocrisy combined with, with uh, their, their, people are scared. So they feel like if you just can say, well, we've identified who's a criminal by their criminal record, but that's not how our society 
God doesn't have a zero tolerance policy. So this is what the million selling March would promote to show that we don't, it's not March, but March is collectively. We would like to do something in D.C., but across the nation to empower citizens to realize they're the boss. And bottom line, it's I, what I do with jobs for felons is, or as a reentry employment specialist, is go into prison and empower men and women to understand when you get out, 98% of corporate America will not hire you. You will be barred. One, don't waste your time by filling out applications. Inquire. Do you hire felons? If you don't, see, this should be an automatic discrimination policy banned in America. Well, at the very least, the companies that profit, canteen, telephone, they don't hire felons, but they profit billions and trillions. So this is where we can redirect. But the ordinary people, they need to understand that their public safety is at risk because they don't want to be busting their heads or broken, their homes broken into. So I promoted the million, you want to become a millionaire, sell a million bottles of water. Simple ideals for people to earn honest money. So at the very least, we can band together as a coalition of independent business owners, former felons, felons, or whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is we don't not have to keep hiring or electing politicians who want to keep our society a hypocrisy or a poison with political, you know, politics. Thank you. Debo, you want to add to that? No, I definitely think um, what Lady Flavor is saying is, is dead on. Like, it, in, in in order for any type of change, like like what Lisa was saying, um, how do you change it? How do you get it to, you know, what how do you fix recidivism basically is you got to change what you have to change the law. Like if there's no law change, then the circumstance ain't going to change. Just, just like lady flavor was saying, as far as the not paying taxes, none of that. Like I, 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 I agree with all that. Like it has to be some type of consequence there for not hiring felons because it's it's totally hypocritical like if if as you do your time and you free you know what i mean it's already saying the system work when they let you back out when you go into their system and and then you complete your time and they say okay this person's ready to go back out and be a productive member of society at that point it, it should that's it that should be it period mm-hmm. and the laws have to be changed you know what i mean because it is a hypocrisy and you have to start with the laws, definitely. If you don't change the laws, it don't matter how many people sign their name on a piece of paper, how many people go this place, that place, and talk about it. Like, there has to be an immediate threat towards the government or something that to the point where the government's like, look, we can't just, we, we can't really ignore this because the people are calling for this. Like, this question is definitely in question right now, and it has to be answered soon. Like, it has to be that because if, if not, you know what I mean? Ain't gonna, the circumstances going to remain the same. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Wow. Though. Mm-hmm. Right. And a good opinion. And JM? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a different, um, I, I take a different position than what, you know, um, what the sister was talking about and what people was just saying. Um, I don't blame, I don't blame the system. I don't blame the laws. Like, the blame starts with the individual. Like, I take it back to the origin. 
Because, like, see, for me, like, I'm criminal-minded. Like, I've been criminal-minded for a long time. And even though I'm a successful author and, you know, I haven't gone back to prison, you know, for any crimes committed and things of that nature, the fact still remains that I am criminal-minded. Um, I, I, don't, I don't view the world, I don't see the world, and I don't move the way that the average tax-paying, law-abiding citizen moves. Like, I did 12 and a half years, so I've been around individuals. I've, I've been around the, the, the rawest and the almost, you know, criminal-minded individuals in existence. And the bottom line is before you can change any laws, before you can change anybody in office and things of that nature, you have to first change the mindset of the individual that committed the crime. Like, I was put in prison for crimes I committed and wasn't given enough time that I was not convicted of. See, I know this. See, a lot of times people use certain things as crutches and justification to continue to do the things that they do. Oh, the system, the deck is stacked against me. Oh, there's no jobs. There's no opportunity. Oh, they discriminate. Well, I know a bunch of successful brothers and sisters who have served their time who have come out and have taken the necessary steps and used their their incarceration as a stepping stone for success. They have gone above and beyond, and they have taken that initiative to do what they need in regards to whether it's expungement of their criminal record based on, you know, how long they've been home. Because a lot of times ex-offenders return one, if not two, out of every three return within the first three years after being released from incarceration. Why the recidivism rate is so high. Individuals will give up so easily and so quickly and find a justification to resort back to the normalcy to where as though they accept it, like the hood. The hood don't care. They're going to take you back. Come through with enough room, there's enough drugs, there's enough guns, there's enough of this. For you to get back in the saddle and do your thing, um, I used to, I used to be empathetic and sympathetic to the ex-offender like that. But now I'm not because I've seen so many become successful, myself included. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't have a nine to five or anything of the sort. But what I did manage to do was, I managed to become, again, a paid motivational speaker, a paid mentor for at-risk youth. Um, I've managed to go from being signed to a small publishing house to being independent to being signed to a major publishing house. I deal with corporate America, and they do not judge me based on my criminal history. They judge me based on how many books selling on Amazon, Kindle, Walmart, Target, wherever else they place my books. That's all they care about. But digressing, though, again, bringing it back, to incarceration and recidivism, a lot of times brothers and sisters sitting up in prison just waiting for that moment to be released so that they could do whatever they're going to do when they get out, whether it's get their life back on track or go back and commit crimes. But a lot of times what happens is individuals, knowing yourself, because you have to be real with yourself, at the end of the day, it's about that individual that has been incarcerated. Because there is equal opportunity. You can smoke crack, sniff dope, 
smoke weed, play cards, play chess, play basketball, lift weights. You can do all of that. Or you can go to anger management, behavior mod, family and friends relationship programs. You can go to, you can uh, apply for um, college classes. You can take, um, you can take up trades. You can, you can um, outsource personal trainer certification. You can apply for culinary arts. So, again, like, you have individuals that stunt in front that, like, prison is just this um, of this negative setting, like, there's nothing to do. They warehouse individuals, and then, like, they open the door and let you out. That's not true. That's not true. There is a lot available in prison that you can take advantage of. If you're really serious about getting out and not wanting to come back, then there are programs made available to you within the institutions. Can I, can I get 30 seconds? Can I, can, I get, can I get 30 seconds? I don't mean to cut you off. I don't mean to cut you off, brother. I just want to say that um, you as a career criminal who had probably don't stop hustling, you just change your product, this is what the point is. But overall, the, the, the real point is time served. Bottom line, you've done the time for your crime, and that's it. So it's whatever you want to do. Nobody is trying to – recidivism relies or stays within the individual. If you want to be reformed, that is your individual choice, of course. But the bottom line is time served. When you get back out in society, you should not have, like, a time or life sentence on you or, like, a monitor for life because you can't get housing, bottom line. So it's, it's not about a, 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 a cry-cry story or, you know, a pity party. It's about just time served. When you get out, it's time served. You can go whatever direction you want. You want to be a criminal, be a criminal, of course. But if you want to just go and work at Wendy's or Walmart, you shouldn't be discriminated against. So, unfortunately, in our society, that's not the case. So I don't want you, I don't want you to think that, you know, I'm trying to – Whatever you know, because I think that I wasn't, you I wasn't well, thinking what I, I actually wasn't was I wasn't speaking about. I was generalizing it, specifying right. my experience because I deal with ex offenders on a daily basis. So if I came across as saying this like a cry cry, is because that's what was presented to me. I do know a lot of individuals who um, cry the discrimination, you know, screen the discrimination, where it's simply the matter of they may not have been qualified for that position in addition to being an ex-offender. I'm, I'm saying I know individuals who give up easy, and I'm not empathetic to that because I used to be one of the ones that said the streets, the game is all that I know. I'm a die in the streets and all, that, all of that goofiness. I'm saying there has to come a point in time where we stop making excuses for self and for others. Like, yeah, we know the issues with the law. We know the issues with the government. We know the issues with policies. We know all of that. Still, there's no excuse. There's Absolutely. still opportunities made available. If a person really want to get their life back on track after incarceration, it is doable, regardless of the law. Without being well, an extra just if being we a remove, if we if we remove all barriers, okay. opportunities to be hold that. empowered. Uh, well, hold that I'm idea. Real, I'm not trying to hold that idea real quick. We want to um, we want to have Seth weigh in because I do understand. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. I understand yeah. I mean, I'll that, um, else, you know, I said, once I spoke, be able to speak my piece, you know, I'm not, you know, right. I'm, I'm speaking without judgment. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I just was just, just speaking. It's not like a this thing, you know, it's all good. <laughs> okay. No, mm-hmm. it's cool. But I'm listening, Lisa. I'm sorry. Okay, you okay? You okay? We want Seth to weigh in bro, um, on what you're saying because you made a lot of valid points. If this is really mm-hmm. what you want to do, it is possible. You guys, all of you guys are examples of the fact that it is possible. You didn't say it was going to be easy. What you're saying is that it is possible. And, and that's, that's many people point. have that's done it. So many ex-ascenders um, expect instant microwave results. When they didn't step off the porch <laughs> or get in the game, like nobody came off the off the porch and was just moving bricks and pounds. Like they started and that behavior progressed through consistency and persistency. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing when you're doing something legal, legitimately, or positive. You can't expect overnight and instant success when it didn't happen like that in the other game. And that's a lot of times Absolutely. that's individuals run into that brick wall, and then meanwhile they got their mans in them that got the big truck or the bins and, and some more stuff. It's like, oh, man, like, you don't got to go through that, man. We still here. It's still here. Like, peer pressure mm-hmm. is a mug. Like, when you get out of mm-hmm. prison, you are in your most vulnerable state um, that you can be in. The world is moving That's at true. a rapid pace mm-hmm. and is not waiting on anyone, and you're trying to figure out how you fit into the world and into society. Meanwhile, you serve all of that time, mm-hmm. your baby moms, your shorty, your moms, everybody writing you and telling you on the phone how they're struggling or how it's like this, and you feel obligated, like you got to come home and be the man and, and do this. You need instant bread. You need instant job. Well, shit, not instantaneously like that anymore, like unless you're going to go mm-hmm. to the block. So, you know, I'm just speaking from the standpoint of, no matter no matter who is in my way, there's an opportunity to get over them, around them, or right pat like my standpoint. I don't blame okay. I don't blame anyone but for me making me behind and late. I'm still trying to catch up in life and I'm doing the damn good job. So you know, I'm only speaking about and I know a bunch of ex offenders that has not let the government or the laws or anything of of the sort um, push, you know, dissuade them or discourage them from, you know, being successful mm-hmm. and not reporting back to a life of crime. That's that's my standpoint. That's absolutely. Seth, you want to weigh in? I'm I'm a firm believer that education combats recidivism. You know, because if if like when I I was in prison, I I took I took you know the opportunities that were available there. You know, and and when you do that, like, you know, it's kind of like what JM says. I mean, because they're all dudes. When you're in there, I mean, there's some dudes, they're just, like, hanging out, watching TV, playing cards. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. all those dudes, but a lot of those dudes recidivate because they, they don't put nothing into themselves. You know, but, you know, I, I was locked up with one of JM's partners, you know, Randy Kirst, and I was on the compound with him. And he's also, you know, a very successful dude, does motivational speaking and has some books out and stuff like that. And And when he was in there, he, you know, he wasn't hanging out. You know, I wasn't the type of dude. Not like me and him were real close, but we both recognized, you know, that we were trying to do something for our future. You know, whereas a lot of dudes, they just live in the moment. 
You know, they're not thinking about the future. They're just doing their time, and they want to get out. And if you do that, you know, you're just making it much harder for yourself because, you know, when you do get out, I mean, I I agree with Flavor, too, because when you do get out, I I didn't like the halfway house. I thought the halfway house was just like, you know, a politic to try to get me to violate and go back to prison, you know. And then I even thought, like, the supervised release. I mean, it was less stringent than the, the halfway house, but it's true. I mean, it's like they put all these obstacles up in your path, and, you know, you kind of got to gotta jump over them or you got to go around them. You know, but if, if you give yourself some type of education, if you take some type of programs, if you use the time in prison to figure out yourself and what you want to do, and if you have anger issues or if you have drug addiction issues or whatever type of issues, because most people involved in crime, you know, some people are just straight criminals. I know dudes that are straight criminals, they're going to be straight criminals. They're not going to reform. But a lot of people that get involved in crime, and and the majority, I'd say over 50% of the people in prison, they just got caught up. They got caught up because they're a drug addict. They got caught up because they might have some type of mental disorder. They got caught up because they have anger issues, and it, it led to a life of crime. So, if you try to combat the problem through some type of education while you're in there, you know, then when you get out, you know, it, it makes it easier to navigate. You know, not to say, you know, I, I agree with that too. You know, it should be time served, you know, because I, I hated going through all that stuff. But I think balance of both, you know, it's a balance of what JM's talking about, the individual, and it's a balance, you know, what Slay uh, was talking about. You know, where you have to, you know, you have to get rid of some of these obstacles and barriers that they put in people's path that lead them back to crime or lead them back to the drug game. Because, you know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of dudes since I've been out. I mean, they just give up. They just like ethic. You know, I tried to do it this way, you know, but they give up, you know, not to say that's right or wrong. You know, everybody has different thresholds, you know, or different endurances of, of what they can adore. But, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm not going to say, like, like people break weak or something. You know, they just get frustrated with life, and they get to that point where they're like, F it, I'm going to go back to what I know. This is what my homies are doing. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big problem, man. There is no perfect answer, but I think it starts with the individual, you know, and then, and then once a bunch of individuals, you know, show, you know, like we all have, that you can be successful as an ex-con, as an ex-felon, then maybe we can do something to change the whole system. But until we got big numbers of people, you know, that are, are living the right way and living within society's norms, I mean, we can't even change anything. You know, we, we have to show that we overcame, you know, our difficulties and our problems and everything that we went through, why we ended up in prison in the first place, you know, before anybody's going to listen to us, you know, mm-hmm. on what we should change. Mm-hmm. All right. So may I just, and I want to Go ahead, so, I just want to say that um, the the reason the reason I take my my stance is because I always learned growing up the first the first thing I learned is just actual fact like just deal with actual fact that's how it was in my hood like you couldn't you couldn't talk about things you didn't know and you couldn't talk about things that wasn't right and exact and what's right and exact is if the law says this if the law says this right there should be no wavering from that. So and that's why I stand more on the side of Lady Flavor. I definitely understand what um, JM is saying and, and what Seth is hinting to about it starts in the individual, but <clears throat> that's another thing as far as us as a people, you know, minorities most definitely. Like all that individualism, like we're not, we not a people 
that that need to function under individualism because we are too disoriented as a as a whole. Like individualism just separates us even further. You know what I mean? So we like King. We needed people like King and, and Malcolm to speak for the people, not just speak as an individual. Like yo, this is what I think. This is how I think it should be. You needed you needed that individual to speak for the people. Like everybody grabbing, grasping that individualism is going to lead to separation. And if the law says you served your time, and and we're going to release you back into society, and we're saying, we're saying you're a productive member now, like you good enough to come back out here, then it it definitely can't be contradictive in the sense of, all right, you can't get this job, although you sat in prison and got a master's degree. <laughs> In this in, in, in this field, you can't get this job because you was in prison. That is totally contradictive. So it needs to be, and that's why I said the laws because we got to have some clarity. And the only way to get clarity is through the laws. All everything that we saying right now is opinion. We we going on opinion, but my opinion is based on what the law says. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not basing it as an individual. I'm basing my opinion on what the law is already written as, as what it's already said. Same thing with the Donald Trump thing. Let me give you an example. Everybody like Donald Trump with this. He's trying to get the minorities out of here. It's wrong. He's trying to get the illegals out of here. Guess what? That law was in place before Donald Trump even got became president. It was, it was in place when Obama was there, when Bush was there. But he's just the one who decided to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm going by the letter of the law. This is what the letter of the law says. And that's how I want it to be, too, because I, I don't like to guess. Whatever the letter of the law is, if you're saying this is the law, just like when I break it. When I break it, you're telling me, yo, this is what it is, and this is what you serve. When I'm done, I want it to be the same thing. I don't want no bending, no wavering, no let's fix it like this because of that. No, there's no contradiction. I want it straightforward. And that's why I'm more on the side of Lady, Lady Flavor and, and what she's saying, because what she's saying just resonates with me more and it just makes total sense in accordance with the law. This is my thing with the system, because everybody has very valid points. But the thing is, when you have human nature, you have a person's mindset. You have That has to be fixed. And the thing with men, a man has to feel like he is a man and he can be a man. So when people have to change, everything around them has to be consistent in order for them to change. Consistency is needed when changing at all times. So if you keep things inconsistent, their mindset doesn't really change. Therefore, they end up going back. You see what I'm saying? And so on the support systems that are supposed to be in place, to me, are not in place. They're there. They're bringing in money, you know, whether it's federal funding or state funding, but are they doing what they're supposed to do? It becomes individuals like yourselves that step up and say, look, this is what is happening, and this is what I feel, from my experience, the best way to make my change happen. You see what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't have that support system. A lot of people don't have that knowledge. A lot of people keep that same mindset. You know, when they talk about they have a slave mindset, there's a prison mindset that people keep. What are things that can be done to help start to change 
um, and keep their mindset focused as they leave that system. Can I can I speak on that? Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As an employment reentry specialist, this is what I've done for many years: speak to thousands of men and people who are in society, out of prison. Some people are felons and have never been incarcerated. Let's just make that clear. And I had the pleasure of informing a whole bunch of corporate America and people who've never been incarcerated that any one of them can become a felon in the blink of an eye. You don't have to be incarcerated to be adjudicated a felon. That's what the, the time served is about. This is after 9-11. This is where the problem has come in at. Because our society is very paranoid after the Twin Towers had fallen. See, once upon a time, you were supposed to come out of prison and get a job and become a so-called reform member of society. That's what prison was for, to teach you pun- that was supposed to be your punishment. Now you, you, you did that, you got incarcerated, now you're supposed to come out rehabilitated. Rehabilitation becomes is within one's individual self. Nobody has to do that. God give us the right to do whatever we want to do, whether we want to be a damn devil or we want to be an angel or try to be. See, that's where we have to stop this hypocrisy. Now it's all politically incorrect. Now we want to act like we got to conform while these homos got all the rights in the world, which is basically ridiculous. So here we say, we say it's okay for a homosexual to have a right, but a felon who served the time, what is a felon? You're a taxpayer who can't vote. Well, that's where they love that. See, individuals, particularly African-American males, they love to ride that wave of they don't care. Down here, I'm from free north. God sent me to free slave south to free these fools because they think that they want to blame the cracker, the white man, with their problems. They can move anywhere in the United States they want to. They do not have to stay here and be poor and broke, so they say. If if you made millions of dollars off of selling cocaine and crack, something that was imported and is not even in the U.S., has to come in the U.S. illegally, why can't you make money off of something that is already here? But they don't teach you that in prison. Matter of fact, all they do is profit. They make millions and trillions of dollars every month, every week, every year off of selling cookies, canteen, oodles and noodles, but these are uh, collect telephone calls, but these are the same companies that won't employ formerly incarcerated or felons. So these are the new laws we need. They want to repeal and get rid of Obamacare. I love that. I love the Trump era because it's going to teach people how to actually act like you're the boss. We can get rid of 1020 life. Three strikes you out, mandatory minimum. All of these things need to come off the books. See, people were sleeping. They were too busy making illegal money. Now that they can't anymore, maybe they'll wake up. And this is what the bottom line is. We as individuals, we should not be taxed. We should not pay taxes if we can't vote, if we can't get jobs. If you want to remain a criminal, fine. You're somebody's job security. But bottom line is you as business owners and individuals that have gone through the system, everyone realizes if the system profited off of you, it's time to make sure that you at least get compensated now that you are a reformed citizen. And it, does, it shouldn't begin with trying extra hard. Everyone should come out with automatic expungement. We shouldn't have to ask or beg or do all of these you know, tricks and, and for what we pay right, our double jeopardy. Society. Right, that's double jeopardy, straight up. 
JM, you want to weigh in? Oh, go ahead, C. I'm sorry, I forgot. Go ahead, C. That's okay. I just want to say that um, I, I've listened to everyone uh, voice their opinion, and first and foremost, the one word that resonates from each of you is the individualism, you know, and, and it has to start with oneself, true, but you have to address it collectively because I think it was Bebo that said we as a people, we, we don't come together enough or successful enough to try to solve a problem, even a minor problem in our own communities. So I think that as a, as an individual, you have to look at the masses and you have to come together and collectively figure out a problem and try to find a solution. You know, and every one of you have such passion for what it is that you bring to the table, but it has to start with a group of like-minded people, and that's where that mindset comes in. You know, it's like when, when back in the day, I, I'm sitting here trying to remember the name, when, when people were doing business in South Africa, but it wasn't true business. It wasn't, it wasn't legal. So for those companies that don't want to employ the felon that comes out of prison, that's a place to start. And that's a genius idea because if I'm good enough to to work with you behind the wall, why can't you give me a job, even if it's in the mailroom or, or whatever? Give me a job when I'm on the other side of those walls. But you have right. to have that mindset to come together, you know, and, and not work individually. You have to come together collectively, and it should be available to inmates, you know, across the board because some go in so young that they don't know that there are avenues or they don't know that there are programs available to help them when they come outside those walls. And that's they're, probably they're, what got them behind the walls to begin with. So it has to have some type of solution. You have to have like-minded people that want to try to solve excuse me, I get passionate about this, about solving this solution. So it has to have start somewhere, and it has to start by coming together. Well, you're right, and there aren't the programs. See, what's happened is everything has been diluted. And you gentlemen, as you guys are superstars, you are celebrities. I'm a celebrity reporter. You know, I left that out because that's really the least of anything. But as a celebrity reporter and having interviewed almost, you know, all the multi-millionaire celebrity stars, they're ready. They want to support a movement. You know, you guys collectively or individually as your own com companies, you guys are superstars. You can help launch this, you know, ending this felon discrimination however you see your own support system or collectively. This is what my Million Fell in March concept is, is to get people behind it, just like they did the Million Man March, and they said, oh, black people can come together, blah, blah, blah. So what? We don't need to march for March. It's not no justice, no peace. It's no justice, no election, no justice, no re-election. Bottom line is we're the boss. And I hope that, you know, we can continue the conversation beyond this. I do appreciate the time to, you know, network and, you know, collaborate with you all and I do appreciate your um business and professionalism and, and much continued success in your endeavors. Absolutely. Okay, I just want to say that um the the word I was trying to find before when I was when I was on my box was apartheid. You know, there there was apartheid in South Africa and um it's just a matter of being segregated and discriminated upon just based on race. And that race can just not be the color of your skin. It could be the bars that you stand behind. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And I want JM and Seth to weigh in, but I like what Flavor said that, you know, you can be a prisoner and never, ever. Mm-hmm. It is it's totally possible just, just the way the world is on today, you know, because it does. It starts with the kids. I believe we did a show um, on Real Raw Radio in the clubhouse about the um, – where we had uh, Dr. Umar on, and he talked about the right. um, school-to-prison system. You know, that mm-hmm. is real. These are things that do happen that if, if there's a process, and it has to start somewhere. I want J.M. and um, Seth to weigh in as well. Peace. What up, Seth? I meant to say what's good. Um, what's up? What's up, bro? I'm good, man. Seth was actually um, he was actually the first brother that did a solid literary interview on me when I first got into this game. He was still behind the wall. I was fresh out. Um, Urban Bookstores. Absolutely, the Urban Bookstores. It was a dope interview. Um, just wanted to put that through the airwaves. But um what I again, my my standpoint, my my position still stands. Um just for the viewers, for the listeners, I don't want you guys to leave this um this segment believing that there are no opportunities or jobs available for ex offenders. I don't want you to believe that there are not any organizations any conferences or seminars that don't cater to um, strengthening the the standards for ex-offenders and, and, and trying to decrease the recidivism rate. I don't want anyone thinking that. I don't want you to think or believe that when ex-offenders go to halfway houses or they go in front of their probation officers or supervised release officers or parole officers, that they're not being given lists with two to three dozen, if not 50-plus jobs that have signed on and registered that they hire ex-offenders. I believe the last list I saw was probably over 300 jobs that have come aboard that will hire ex-offenders and not McDonald's, not fast food. Uh, But if that's what it took, Let's be clear because, again, that plays a part. Ex-offenders being selective, well, what type of work they'll do. But they'll bust somebody over the head, snatch a pocketbook, sell some dope, some coke, some pills, some wet, or some more stuff. So, again, I don't, you know, when you hear me talk, you're going to get the real in the raw. I'm hands-on with these individuals. And, again, no disrespect to anybody else's views, opinions, beliefs, I'm giving you real-life experiences and real-life information for your loved ones. Um, if you have incarcerated loved ones and they come home and they, they attempt to give up or they seem discouraged, you as loved ones need to strengthen your support system. I heard the sister say that. I'm in agreement with that because that is the number one key to helping brothers and sisters um, reenter and migrate back into society, a support system. So um, for those of you guys that are listening, it is very important for you to let them know that there is um, opportunities and um, jobs availability for ex-offenders. 
in addition to that, again, I, I just want to say, um, and you, you, you said about, I think it was least in regards to um, incarceration. Like, you don't have to ever go behind the prison wall to be incarcerated. Many people are mentally, emotionally, spiritually incarcerated, walking past us each and every day and don't know how to break free of that confinement. I say that to say that even now as an ex-offender, I don't make any excuses or place any blame on anyone for anything that I don't accomplish. I believe that there's equal opportunity, despite the fact that there is a double standard with the law, with the Constitution. The Constitution is unconstitutional, definitely. But you don't have to go to prison to discover that. I'm still paying for instances and, and, and things that I've done in my past. Is it right? No, but the fact of the matter is I still did those things. And I'll give you an example. Um, I travel a lot, drive. I have a 21-year-old son. Um, we both fit the description of gangbangers and dope boys and gangsters and some more negative um, attributes. But the fact of the matter is we're not those attributes. But when they run my license plate on my vehicle, when they do an NCIC check, it comes up that I'm a drug trafficker and proceed with caution that I have a solid police officer on my jacket, uh, proceed with caution, uh, may, be, may be in possession of a weapon. All of these things come up when they run my name, when they run my, my criminal history and my license plates. So I'm constantly being pulled over. But I'm pulled over, and if I'm on the phone, that means I have, I have not been gunned down. My son has not been gunned down. I am not incarcerated beyond something that I've done on the highway. Point being, still being discriminated and, 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 and receiving prejudice against me, and I served my time. So when, when I, when I pull off, there is a lesson to be learned from my son because we live in an explosive era with our young people. They react first. They have no patience. They are reactors. And I say that because every day, it's not every day, but every, every, every chance and every opportunity that presents itself, there's a lesson to be learned whenever I'm pulled over by the police and my son is um, present, you know, um, because he's looking at it like, man, he's saying the same thing that everybody's on the phone saying. Time served. Like, why are you still? The fact of the matter is, had I never broken the law, had I never committed any crimes, I wouldn't be in a position for my name to be ran like that. But it doesn't mean that I would still be exempt from any abuse or any force or anybody, um, you know, going above and beyond with their authority. Again, right, the point me, I'm me. trying to make is, um, no matter what, whether you go to prison or not, how you move based on the choice and decision makes for every action is a reaction. Like, um, may not be the one that we like, may not be the mm-hmm. one that uh, we agree with, but nonetheless, there is going to be a reaction to some form of action. I admit, and I'm 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 fine with me being an ex-offender. Me being an ex-offender does not restrict me from anything that I want to do in life personally or professionally. That's all I'm saying. There is life after incarceration. No, I, 
can I just I can I just say so? I'm gonna I wanna make a statement and I wanna ask you a direct question. I'm speaking to you, JM. I'm I wanna I wanna make a statement and I wanna ask you a direct question on everything that you just said. That's well, not everything. Not everything. Just to just to like the latter part. No, that, that's cool. It, but I just wanna, again, I just want to reiterate that um, I'm not speaking for someone it, to oh, and I swear versus the sister side. I'm just speaking my piece. No, right. And no, I swear to you, I swear to you, I'm not even taking it as. As like you disagreeing with our view, I swear I clearly hear that you stating your own view. That's your own voice. Like it, it, I don't hear no influence in it. I, I'm not taking it like that. I swear. I, I just, I'm just. I got a bad habit. I'm a critical thinker. Like they tell me that in school all the time. So I always be wanting to question everything. <laughs> That's not for real. But um, my statement is, is, is first that with all the activity we see just generally with, with, with police and just regular citizens. Like, I turned on the news this morning. I seen two, two police in Georgia got fired in Gwinnett, Georgia. They, they um One dude just punched the dude in the face, and then his partner came and ran up and just stomped mm-hmm. the dude in the face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. After he was right. down and handcuffed already. Now, I'm looking at it. It's a bunch of things going through my mind while I'm seeing this. The first thing I'm looking at is it's like two police fired. I'm like, damn. They seen them punch them and kick them. They fired. They seen police shoot people. They still working. That's the that 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 went through my head. Then also, what went through my head because they kept showing what he did. I was like, damn, he really just hit this dude for nothing. Like, what the hell is God said? You know what? Police training is out of control. They got these little young robots out here going steady. They going crazy out here. Like they're not even really being professional at all. And then. You know, I'm just all this is going through my head. All the all the shit that's going through my head. Finally, I'm listening to you, and you like I'm all right with the police running my name, and it's telling that them part. Re- that part. It's telling them. It's telling them proceed. With, now you removed eleven years. Removed. You ain't did shit. But it's telling him, yo, proceed with caution. This nigga might try to assault you. He might have some dope in the car. He might have a hammer. This is who the hell you done pulled over. Are you ready for this? Hurry up and get him out the car and get the situation contained and get him detained and and, and, and find out what's going on after you do all that. For real, because that's what that information is telling him to do. And you saying, you're saying from, from your statement that you're fine with that because of something you did in your past. Even as children, we did things that disappointed our mothers, but they didn't look at us like that for, from that point on, like, yo. Oh yeah, this is who you are. You know what I mean? You be like, yo, nah, you, mm-hmm. you changed. Like you got, you grew, you grew from that. Like you realized that was some shit you wasn't supposed to do. You know what I mean? But now if people keep treating you the same. Like yo, <laughs> like shoot this nigga first, cause they don't tell her what the hell might happen, and then we'll find out if he was chilling. I, mm-hmm. That's that's the part right there, that that that's disturbing to me. And the fact that you said you all right with it, I'm I, I, my question to you is. Why would you be all right with something like that? Why would I be all right? Yes, because just you personally, not just just no, you no, personally. No, not... I, I heard you. I, no, I, I just repeated your your question. Like I was I was going into answering it. Like again, dealing with me. Once upon a time, everything that they pulled up, I wore as a badge of honor. 
that's why I'm fine with it because there's an X in front of my name. Like when you put an X, that means it's the past. Now, how they proceed, they're going to proceed with everything that it says in that in, in that NCIC check. When they come to that window, they have the right to listen to me. They have the right not to listen to me. Bottom line is I know what's going to come up when you run my name. There's no getting around that there. The only thing that I can get around with is trying at that moment there because I love proving someone wrong. Like when they walked up to the car, they may have believed that they were walking up to this individual that they had to proceed with caution. But by the time they let me go, most of the times they're walking away with an autographed book or they're looking me up or they're congratulating me or we need more brothers. So, again, like, yeah, sure, I'm a rarity, but we exist because I congregate and I converse with other brothers and sisters who share the, the same experience with law enforcement. Um, again, never thought I would be saying it because I was on the opposite side of the law. I lived a lawless and reckless lifestyle, and I was cool with that. I don't live that type of lifestyle anymore. So I have friends that are law enforcement. They're not killing. They're not killing kids. They're not shooting first, asking questions. We- we know Again. everybody is not a robocop. We know everybody is not a robocop. We understand what your what your point of view is. At, okay, at the very God, least, God, it sounds like you're very God. restrictive. It sounds like you're very restrictive. Okay, let him finish. No disrespect. Did you ever serve any time? Because I hear you like say, of man. Course. Of course. I served yes, time. I did. Okay, of course so, I served time. Exactly. You can only speak about a female experience in prison. You can't speak about a male experience, and you can't speak about, like, we're two different animals without incarceration. And that goes without saying. You know, I'm not trying to talk over you, but that goes without saying. No, the only reason I'm saying that is because I I listened, and I I just assumed that you were just um, an expert or specialist in the subject, but you never mentioned females. You speak about how men are. As ex offenders, and I'm saying, I don't, I don't totally agree with. Maybe that's the masses. Maybe that's the men that you've encountered. But I'm saying that I don't fall up under the guys. Like my 12 and a half years, I knew if I didn't work on myself while I was still in, I was coming home to move hella dope and coke, and I was gonna lay down whoever was there, who was ever in my way. Like I knew that. So, Bebo, back to you. You want to know why I'm fine with it? Because I'm on on this line being able to speak about it. It is a lesson learned every day. It is a reminder of what I come from. It is a reminder of what I can go back to. It's a reminder of how how far I've come. And it's a reminder of how mindful I have to be of the world we live in today. Again, I'm speaking about me. Not everybody's going to be solid like that. But I know a lot of solid brothers and sisters who are just as far like, why should I hold a grudge? Because they're pulling up information that I like. It's just like you're taking it's not you're a taking, grudge you're taking, that you it's taking not a grudge that way. you it's not a exactly. grudge that you hold it. And if you're not fine exactly. if, if you're not cool with that lifestyle no more, like you said you like I don't live like that no more. Like I thought it was cool back then, I don't live like that no more. If you not if you don't think that it's cool anymore, why would you think it's cool for this guy to be pulling up on you like you still living like that? That's what I'm saying. Okay, I want to um, reiterate because I understand what JM is saying. I don't think he's saying that he's 
cool with it per se, but he understands that this is the process. But it it keeps but, him mindful of how he needs to move and how he needs to do things to keep himself out of certain situations. I, I, so I understand I, I, what I you're saying with that. I didn't, I didn't come on here. I didn't come <laughs> on this segment to speak about um, why we go, who, who's responsible for us going back and forth to prison. I know who's responsible. The motherfuckers that's going back and forth to prison. Now, that's, that's what that's, not, that's not where we are anyway. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Everything else is extra incentive. And again, like I'm not, I'm not saying that everything I'm saying is law and gospel. I'm just saying at the end of the day, everything that I did, you saw I'm blessed. That's why I'm. I'm well, well, can I can I interject, please? Because what I am saying is law and gospel because it's legislated. That's the point. And I'm not trying to sway you, and I'm not trying to shit and piss no, on you your point like, of view. Like you probably could sway other. Like I'm just like I'm just listening, like without judgment. Like now, nah, like if I don't agree with you, I just don't. We can agree to disagree. So you don't right. need to have to right. like, It's not even an opinion. It's not even an opinion, and I appreciate that that you're you're a productive felon. But at the end of the day, it's a discrimination policy that I was initially speaking on, and 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 the fact that you're a productive felon is awesome sauce. That's the point. Every felon should be a productive felon, regardless if they're published or if they have whatever type of skills that you possess, we get that. And it's not like nobody is trying to diss or dismiss you, or I'm not even tripping on you. I'm just saying that what you're saying is valid, but at the end of the day, we just need time served. I have a question for the for the for the panel. This is Tony, and I hear everyone's opinion, but and the, their mindset. You each are pretty much set in your own mindset. But what about the individual that has that has been falsely accused and at a young age. And here in New York, you know, in and out of the news is the story of police. Uh, I want to say his name properly. Right. Here yeah. on Rikers Island. You know, what I was saying at the top of the show is that that mindset, they may not be familiar with what the, the, the opportunities are available to them. But here is a 16-year-old person that was put on Rikers Island in solitary confinement a crime that he didn't commit and eventually he gets out but two years later he commits suicide so it's a lot of internal holding of, of that 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 mindset of being confined because because even after he was shown to be not guilty he was still a prisoner in his own mind and at such a very young age so where was the opportunity for him to get some type of training to get some type of release or some type of counseling to show him that he still had a life outside of this confinement, just well, such a life that was wasted. I'd like for you guys to weigh in, and I want to start with Seth, please. Well, I mean, I would say for something like that, I mean, first off, I mean, it's it's real tragic, but, I mean, stuff like that happens every day. People, people get lost in the system because I mean, really, in a lot of pro- there's there's not a lot of programs. They got some programs in prison, but I mean, for me, I I got a I got a master's degree in prison, but I, I didn't get it through the prison. I got it through my parents who paid for it. So you know, to really find the programs and the stuff, you have to be a self starter. You have to take the initiative. And you know, not all people are like that. And like in, in this story, he kind of fell 
by the wayside. I mean, there should have been a counselor there. There should have been a person there that was checking on, on him to make sure he was all right. And obviously, that's where the system failed. But, I mean, the system fails every day. I mean, but, you know, I can only speak from my experience. I mean, I, I'm a self-starter. I'm going to go do what I need to do. I'm going to go get what I need. You know, so it's hard for me to see someone, you know, who's not a self-starter. You know, not to say that I don't think that's tragic and I don't think something should have been done. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, what we're trying to expose with, with the White Boy Rick documentary. You know, he didn't die or he didn't kill himself, so it's a different story. But he was also a young 14-year-old, you know, that was chewed up and spit out by the system. So that's why I think mm-hmm. it's good doing documentaries like we're doing about White Boy. And now, you know, the stuff that they're promoting, the, the shows they're promoting about them. Because when you promote this stuff and you get eyeballs on it and you put it out in the world, there might be another person like him. And they see it, and then that might inspire them to get help. You know, so, I mean, for me, that's my way, you know, to fix the problem. That's my advocacy. I'm, I'm trying to do it through these channels. You know, everybody has to have different ways that they go about things, you know. But, you know, I, I agree, too, like how Alicia said earlier, it has to be collective, too. You know, everybody can't do the same thing. Everybody can't play the same part. But if we all have different ways that we're doing things, you know, some, some people might go Jan's way. Some people might go Bebo's way. Some people might go Flavor's way. Some people might go my way. But if we're putting everything that we're doing out in the public eye and we're broadcasting and we're networking and we're showing it, you know, because even like with addiction or or anything, any type of mental problems, there's different ways, you know, there's no surefire way that you just say, oh, this is the only way to do it. You know, so it's good that you have different opinions. It's good that you have different ways because what works for me might not work for you. Right. Bebo? No, I agree with Steph, right, 100% collectively. That's what I've been saying. Like, we just like we needed Malcolm. And what JM is, is saying, too, like, what JM is saying translates to specific individuals. Like he said, he, he like, yo, there's people that feel just like me. You know what I mean? I know them. I do. So what he's saying translates to those people. What I'm saying that doesn't translate to them people, it, it, as long as they get the same cause, because we both saying, you know, do the right thing. Like, we ain't saying, yo, when you pulled over, you should really have the bricks in there, but they shouldn't be searching the car. You know what I mean? We like, yo, you should be doing mm-hmm. the right shit. Like, your, your paperwork should be right, and they should be leaving you alone. Like that's we both we both saying the same thing. It's just that we, our perspective is different. You know what I mean? Our view right. on it is different. So the, what he's saying is translating to 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 men that's just like him that view life. Everything that his morals and principles are is it, translating to them exactly as he's saying it. And, and what I'm saying to them is not translating the same way. You know what I mean? But the people who see my perspective is translating to them. You know what I mean? The way that I'm saying it. So it's not that we at odds here. It's like Seth saying, as long as the as long as the cause is collective, as long as everybody mm-hmm. focuses on the same thing. Like we really mm-hmm. not saying the same thing. We not I mean, excuse me, we really not saying nothing different. Like I said, we not mm-hmm. neither me nor JM is saying, Hey, go out there and commit a crime and they should be leaving you alone when you're doing it like this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We not saying that. Like I neither one of us. You know what I mean? So, and and debate, you know, people now, since, you know, you have a lot of access, 
is access. So now when people debate, you know what I mean, it looks like something that is not. A debate is good, you know what I mean, because perspectives okay. are put out there and people are, are led away with something to think about, you know what I mean. But now the way it be looking a lot of times, it be looking like, you know, Oh, oh, it's messy or this and that. Like, as people people apply terms to debates that scare people away from it or make people shun away from it. I'm not at odds with what JM is saying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're just looking at it differently. So I I, I want to make sure that, you know, that that's translated. And also what Seth is saying, I'm right on beat with him. Like, yeah, it has to be a collective effort. Everybody got to be knowing, like, yo, look. <laughs> When we get to third, everybody is running home. Like, we said, we all stealing on third. Like, yeah, everybody got to know that no matter how you get to third, though. You know what I mean? But you can't. Yeah, so, you know, I, I agree I, I agree with everybody. I agree with what Lady Flavor's saying. I I, I hear her, her um point of view on on how she, you know, saying coming at it. I don't know the the guidelines of her view. I hear what she's saying the underlying term of you know what I mean, trying to serve. I don't know what her underlying views is, but you know, I agree with what she's saying on the surface to me. So I'm in I'm in agreement with everybody, man. Wow. You know, uh, it's unfortunate that the time runs out but we definitely have to revisit this panel because this it was so much that was given to our listeners as well as Talisha and I, and we so appreciate everyone that contributed. And so many points were made and valid points. And like Bebo said, you may have a different point of view. Like in a good book, you have different points of view, but the story has a climax at the end. And that's all that we would like for our society to come to, a mutual climax. With the different points of view is what makes it a good story, what makes it a good panel, what makes it a good society. And I hope this is making sense because it's making sense in my head. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just a matter of approaching it differently. I'm high on this point of view. I'm just can you tell I just had a class? <laughs> wow, it's for just real. A matter, it, it's true. It's just a matter of bringing it all collectively together and having it serve an impact that's truly felt by those that need to feel it. Nah, I feel you. Like I'm, I'm good. It was a great show. I, I'm glad that we touched on the things that we touched on, and the the point of views was different. Because sometimes when it sounds like everybody singing singing the same old song, it just be sounding like the chorus off beat. Sometimes you feel me. So, so, mm-hmm. so, are we gonna let the fat lady sing? Absolutely. You. <laughs> All right. So overall. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, it's legislative, legislative. I'm not dealing with opinions. I'm dealing with solutions. And the fact that over 98% of corporate America refuses to hire people with felony convictions or criminal backgrounds, people who want to become independently wealthy as our esteemed, your esteemed panel of guests, um, are pursuing that path. That is what jobs for USA felons and teens have been promoting forever. But right now we're focused on the youth because at the end of the day, adults get free housing, free food, and free shelter, but our youth can't. So I'm working 
on a job for teens initiative that will help our youth. This way we will be able to reduce juvenile crime, violence, and recidivism and increase public safety. And it's called winning the war on poverty, achieving the dream. Because at the end of the day, we can have a lot of opinions, but it's still felon discrimination that rules our country. And we can end that, I hope, with the million felon marks. And I hope you all will support it. Thank you again. Straight talk. Absolutely. Anyone else want to weigh in before we wrap it up? All right. How about a fun question just to leave the chat room on a light note? <laughs> um, I'm going to start with the lady of the show tonight, Miss Flava. I think this is a good one for you, but if you were a superhero and you have so much passion, what would your superpower be and how can it affect what you are most passionate about? But again, I think we um, I want to thank WeChat for the opportunity, and the superpower would just simply be to help empower everyone to understand that they're the boss, and that we have the power. Um, those who fought before us, it took forever for slavery to end and civil rights to begin, but we do not have to take that long. Thank you. You're so welcome, Bebo. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that because I know you got a good power over there. Give Give me your superpower and how it can affect change. Um, I I would want the power to just be able to speak to people without being seen. You know what I mean? I think think people who listen better when... I think people get caught up in visuals now. You know what I mean? But I think people listen better without without the visuals. So I would want the power to just speak to people without being seen and let them form their own thoughts. No suggestions. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know what? I'm going to keep it across the board. Seth, I want a special power for you to affect change in our society. I think for me, uh, I would like the the power of persuasion, you know, because, I mean, like like I say, you got a lot of different opinions, and just I think different opinions are good, but when you're talking about the collective, I mean, everybody has to compromise. Everybody has to give. You know, it can't always be just the way you want it to be. If I've learned anything mm-hmm. in life, you know, throughout my 46 years, I, I've learned that. You know, and and I'm I'm willing to compromise. You know, I'm I'm willing, you know, to give way. You know, that someone else can can you know get some of theirs, and you know, and, and I don't see no problem with that as, as long as the collective goal, you know, is is heading in the right direction. So to me, you know, that would be the uh, persuasion to bring people together. And I think like Bebo, like some of the, the, the greatest leaders, you know, that he talked to, you know, like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, I really believe that they have that power, you know? So I think, mm-hmm. you know, great leader or a great person in society, they need that power of persuasion to get everybody together because if not, you know, everybody can be at odds and they're all going to be in their different tribes and different camps and, and nothing's going to be done for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, J.M., I want to know what type of cape you're wearing to, to round out this power trip. Talk to me. What type of cape I'm wearing? Your power cape. What type of power you have that can help change society? Well, probably along the lines of what Seth was saying, like just the power to influence, um, just to bring understanding. A lot of times people, you know, don't understand what they're dealing with. I wanted to touch on what you were saying about the young brother, but like we don't know, we don't know the behind the scenes of 
where he was incarcerated, you know, how he was treated in there, what it did to him, you know, psychologically and things of that nature. So just, you know, just power to, you know, to bring understanding and, and to be able to influence the people, you know, in a more more constructive versus destructive manner. Okay. And just to just to answer that uh, question that J.M. just posed for anyone that was wondering, he was actually incarcerated here in New York at in Rikers Island, and for three years, and most of that time was spent in solitary confinement for no, a charge I, that no, was no. later dropped. So if you want to follow that story, uh, you can Google it. It is all over the news. It's all over the wires. And uh, yeah, once no, again, Leisha and I... No, I know what you're talking uh, with, I was more talking about, like, his treatment in there by the officers, and, you know, just, just some more stuff like, you know, I, I was charged as an adult when I was 15 years old in the state of North Carolina. And I seen those brothers mm-hmm. in their 13, 14, 15, 16 years old with grown-ass men, and these young brothers were committing suicide or t- turning to drugs because they were being raped, they were being taken advantage of, some more stuff. So, again, like, you know, brother either went in innocent and like Seth was saying, you get all shuffled up, you know, in the deck. You know, you could go in one way and come out another, you know, whether positive, mm-hmm. you know, or negative, and whether encouraged or discouraged. Some people, you know, um, are motivated to get their life back on track while others become discouraged and, you know, be mad at the world, you know, and never committed a crime and come home and commit crimes because of resentment. So, you know, just all of those layers that have to be peeled back. Like, can't just comment, you know, just comment on something that the media puts in front of us uh, without knowing the back. I'm not talking about the brother's innocence. I'm talking about what the brother went through um, during his stay right. in the facility that, you know, broke him or turned him, you know, um, for the worse. You know, that's, that's mm. what I'm saying. Well, thank, well, thank you. you for having me. And that is, I'm glad that he brought that up, and I want to thank you. We going, we want to have a part two of this show and talk about that because that is part of the mental breakdown um, that happens. And some people can handle that when they come home, and some people can't. And so that's a great mm-hmm. part, too, to have. So we want to, you know, try to get you guys back on the show to talk about that and the healing process because there has to be a healing process. Uh, and forgiveness of yourself um, and the uh, people around you at the same time. We want to appreciate, we want to thank you guys all for tuning in. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. We want you guys on the way out of the chat room to shout out all of your social media, where you can be contacted if you have any events coming up, any books coming out. Make sure you let that be known. We'll start with Seth. Um, I will be on the lookout, you know, if you want to see a, a riveting documentary, you know, that, that really exposes the dirty secrets of the uh, drug war, specifically in the case of Richard White Boy Rick Warshi from Detroit, Michigan, you know, be on the lookout for that. That's, that's going to be out this summer. I mean, it's, it's going to be on a major streaming network probably. They haven't made the deal yet, but, you know, they're in the process right now. And, uh, you know, I'm on all social media under my name, Seth Ferrante. You know, I run Gorilla Convict. You know, you can find me on Amazon, you know, anywhere. I got I got a ton of stuff going out. But, uh, you know, like I say, the, the biggest thing I got is that film, and I got more stuff like that in the works. All right. Miss Flavor? 
Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, I want to talk about this real, real quick because I never said anything about it, but I had um, something called no baking soda equals no crack law. For all of your listeners and all the people out there who, never, who don't know this, they never had one penny for crack cocaine reform, rehab, or anything, but they have millions and billions of our dollars for this fake pill mill and now fake heroin war. I promise you, if I was running for office, y'all better elect me. Also, y'all need to support the Million Felon March coming up to help end felon discrimination nationwide and support the Felon Freedom Fund. We want all inmates nationwide to donate $1 or more, just like you're spending billions and trillions on collect phone calls and canteen. We want those corporate companies to hire you and to support us as well. And I thank you all for your time. Aaron, I'm going to holler at you. Look. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing people on all my social media, man. And um, right now, I got I'm pushing New York shorties. I got some other things coming, you know, in the summertime. They'll just be popping up, man. I, I'm not even really promoting nothing like that no more. So it's right there, you know what I mean? But that's what's mm-hmm. going on. We definitely need to have a follow-up show on this, too, because I really wanted to talk about these, like, the, the copyright laws, like, infringement and all that, like, mm-hmm. different aspects of it. Like, I want to talk about that because there's a lot of artists not getting paid through mm-hmm. different That's things true. going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, man, it's a great you. show, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, B. Thanks, B. You know, you Thank you, B. <laughs> And JM, you want to round us out? Hello? Yeah. Is there, Jay? Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Shout out all all of your social media and any events um, that you have coming up and any books you have coming out. Um, All social media, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, JM Benjamin. As far as Uh any books, I'm actually up in doing um, films lately, transitioning from books to films. You guys could check out um, Moves We Make, which was an indie short film for last year. It's now available on Vimeo On Demand. Um, got a, a movie series coming out this year. Um, books, Watch Out for the Big Girls 3. Um, just you know, just a, just a host of things. A lot of events coming up for the summer whether it be um, literary events or nonfiction motivational. So connect with me on social media, you know, for updates and things like that. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you guys for joining us, and we definitely have to have a part two. This has been such a powerful, powerful panel tonight, and I hope our listeners, like we said, have enjoyed it and been educated as well as ourselves. And until next time, you're listening to Let's Chat. My name is Tony, and I'm joined by the phenomenal Miss Alicia and our guest, Aaron Bebo, Seth Brett, Jay and Benjamin, and the wonderful Miss Flavor. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, guys, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Peace. Thank you. Good night. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Man, I love the feel of this one. It sounds like grown folks' music. 
is way too smooth to abuse it. I'm glad I found this one to choose. I let the crew listen to approve it. It sounds like a lazy afternoon, dude. I order pepper steaks, Jamaican food. Hit the boulevard to go and pick it up. Got a new shorty trying to hit me up. And I'm still that squirrel trying to get a what? So I hit her back to set something up. And she said that she ain't really doing nothing. And I know that I ain't really doing nothing. So I'm like, let's do nothing together. And it could be like whatever. It's really like whatever. We just cruise like whatever. Top down like whatever. Drink BC Bond like whatever. Me and you like With nothing to do like whatever. It's really like whatever. I mean like whatever. It's like The queen stepped out the crib to die for. I try to play it off with my eyes for. With her hair and nails, let me get that door. She's just the kind of woman I've been looking for. Now she ride with me, with the top down. We listen to the same music going now. I tell her I love the dress you rockin'. And I know it's a hundred guys that's clockin'. But you ain't thinking about spending time with them. You riding around with me, the OG. With nothing to do, and nowhere to be, yeah. Cause you weren't really doing nothing And I wasn't really doing nothing Now we both doing nothing together And it's really like whatever You know like whatever We just cruise like Top down like Drink BC Bond like Me and you like With nothing to do like It's really like Main life. It's life. She's smelling real good with the wind blowing. Gotta split up a dress with a thigh showing. Make a brother think about some other things. Got me leaning back like a young king. She look over and ask what I'm smiling about. I tell her she might be one to turn me out. She started laughing and called me crazy. But she a bad lady, I ain't that crazy. This girl got a look that's criminal And I'm wide awake, nothing subliminal Shorty knows she got a hook in me Anytime you spend this time doing nothing Like a break at the job when you lunching Now we riding around doing nothing together And it's all gravy like whatever Just chilling like whatever We just cruise like whatever. Top down like whatever. Drink BC Bond like whatever. Me and you like, with nothing to do like.